Hey, we're online. There's a URL. Ring a dingy. I see us. I'm I'm telling people live right now. Interaction on YouTube with us available in the real YouTubes. humans. <laughs> <laughs> Dave from Buffalo is in the chat. All right. Welcome, Dave. Welcome. Dave recently. Uh, he uh, sort of revealed that he's the brains behind the Fire Escape arcade raid. Oh, really? Doc, do you have a Fire Escape in your uh, collection? I do not. Hmm. Are you, are you, are you interviewing him game? already? Are you interviewing him already? You just, you just shut your mouth. Hey! <laughs> we just had Dave show up, so I'm like, come on. You shut your mouth. I just want to have a disclaimer here. At the beginning of the show, I had nothing to do with eight of the ten songs that were picked. The classics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, yeah. I, I got some new cassette tapes here. I'm just going to, you know. What? Uh, I think I might play like a little bit of this clip for our guest, Ryan, if he comes on here. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 23 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, July 26, 2018, and the time is now approximately 7.22 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Adam the Antagonist. <laughs> I'm joined by Mark Time Runner Shields and the guest host of Radio Arcade, whatever we call this show this week, is Doc Mac. Welcome to Arcade Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to have you on. You may want to move just a tad closer so the audience can hear you. But um, this first part of the show, we talk a little bit about what we've been working on in the hobby. Mark, why don't you kick us off? Okay, I'm summarizing everything. Uh, yesterday, I got a mispack and an Asteroids arcade cabinet that were Hurricane Harvey survivors for free. What? Uh, I've, yep. The boards work. What? Um, yep. Uh, the, uh, it's funny, you know... Why did they decide to put, to make a base out of a particle board versus plywood? I'm like, you should always make your base out of plywood. Yeah. Well, or plastic, for crying out loud. Oh, well, yeah. I like mean, it's Dura-mold. the 80s. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that that's one. That's probably but. why they did Duramolds, you know. Tired of getting cabinets getting wet. Hmm. That's, good. that's a good point. Plus, anyway, plus, you can turn it into a canoe. Eh, I don't know about that. Maybe. I've never, I've never had a full size turbo, so that's kind of fun. Um, 
I have a Miss Pack for sale. I'm selling it. Um, every, every time somebody says, is that an LCD in there? I'm like, hey, look over there. And then uh, <laughs> I'm restoring my Tron and Starcastle control panels. I saw that Miss Pac-Man. I discovered that. What? I saw that Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, It's not original. Are, what? It's not original. Not original, no. <laughs> well, I took the 4900 out of it, which I'm going to put into a Pac-Man. Okay, that's fair. There's a lot of juggling going on. And um, my super joust is coming together. I have all the parts. I have the brown paint. And uh, Tonight's I show think... brought to you by LaCroix. Oh, that's good. Tonight's show brought to you by White Claw. <laughs> Hard seltzer. What are you and, drinking uh, over there, Doc? Ice Mountain. Ice, Ice Mountain. Mountain. Oh, boy. We're going to get hammered tonight. No, this is just super low weight here. I might have to go get a whiskey. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. I'll be fine. Uh, uh, so that's all I'm doing. Um, what about you? Uh, uh, me? Uh, I bought some balls. Uh-huh. Are they, what color are they? They're orange. Nice. I like orange balls. So four, four balls that are orange? Four of them. They're candle pin bowling balls. You know why Sweet. I bought candle pin bowling balls, don't you? To throw them at people? Yes. <laughs> like a shot put. <laughs> They are four and a half inch candle pin bowling balls, which is what Atari used. Uh, they commissioned black ones for games like basketball, Atari football, and Missile Command. So I'm going to put two orange. Uh, I have orange team molding on my football, on my Atari football. And I'm going to put two uh, orange candle pin bowling balls on either end instead of those big black balls. So my balls will be orange. <clears throat> nice. <clears throat> They're very cool and swirly. Uh huh. What are you gonna do with the other two? <laughs> the other ducks. Ducks like this is not going the way I thought it was going to. Go. Hey, <laughs> they're candle pin bowling balls. <laughs> candle pin bowling balls. Uh, so yeah. Um, I think I might send one to you. Yes, I'm going to send you some money for that. All right. And then uh, the other one I might stick into the Missile Command. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about buying a different color for Missile Command, but, you know. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, the uh, the other thing, uh, I went I went to, uh, shall I say, Scary Gary's or just Gary? Went to Gary's place up in White Bear, Stacy, Minnesota. Why do they call him Scary Gary? Yeah, because... <laughs> Does he have a special closet well, for you actually, to go inside of? Or? Actually, he's very harmless. He's he's uh-huh. he's been on TV, actually. He was on uh, American Pickers with his brother. Do you remember oh, that episode? I did not. Anyway, they used to operate amusements in the 70s and 80s. And uh, so they have all these old amusement rides, and then they have tons and tons of trailers full of old arcade games that are... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're, a lot of them are shot. You know, they're just... They're gutted, or they're missing parts, or they've been converted... You know, and then to, to top it off, you have to like dodge bees nests and all kinds of fun things to get into the trailers. So <clears throat> at the end of our trip, though, there was an APB sitting there. I guess it's been there for a few years. So the bottom is not so good. But my APB, the marquee has a crack in it. So I went halvesies with the guy. We bought it for 200 bucks. We're going to split the profits from selling the boards on eBay. He's taking the medium res monitor because his had more burn in than that and he's gonna <clears throat> so you know it's like a $300 monitor so he's pulling that out and I get the control panel the bezel and the glass and uh and so I'm gonna take the best of mine and sell the rest of the stuff 
How deep was it inside of a trailer? Was it like it wasn't? It was it was like in this little hut at the the front of the property, and it was wet. We had to climb through all kinds of weird, dark spaces. Because I hear that's one of the the things that made people not want to get a game because they have to move thirty games to get to the game that's in the back. He's been working on that, so he's been putting lanes in the uh, middle of of the trailer. He'll carve out a lane all the way to the back, so now you can pull them out. Beauty. Yeah, so that's what I did last week. Uh, Doc, what do you got? What are you doing? Uh, we just finished up uh, Guerrilla War last week. That was our Monday mystery game. Guerrilla War? Uh, Tell us about yep. that. Uh, SNK from uh, 1987. Um, was in pretty good shape. We picked it up out in um, Ohio and had it shipped in and didn't need too much. Um, it was pretty much... Uh, all, all our new stuff that we're working on, we usually just pretty much keep it a secret for the Monday Mystery Game. So. Sweet. Now, tell us a little bit about the Monday Mystery Game. And first of all, everybody, this is Doc Mack, the proprietor of the Galloping Ghost Arcade uh, in, is, is it Chicago? Uh, Brookfield. Brookfield. Brookfield, just outside Illinois. of Chicago, right? So you're yeah. you're uh, north or south or west or east of Chicago? Uh, west. West. All yes. right. All right. So uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, and we'll talk more about that on the show later. But tell us about the Mystery Monday Mystery Game. So every Monday at 5 p.m., we put a new game on the arcade floor. We have a huge stream for it. Um, a lot of the regulars come out. Uh, every Monday? Every single every Monday. Monday? For over over two years, we've put a new new game on the floor at 5 p.m. You take one off then, right? You, don't, you can't, you can't no. keep that up. You have 700 games out there. Right now... Um, we have a few off the floor until the expansion opens in less than a month. So we'll be anything that's off the floor. Now we'll be coming back. Um, otherwise we try never to remove anything from the floor. Like we're not, we don't rotate stuff out. So I'm not going to ask any more about that because, well, I'm sure we'll (laughs) ask about it a little later in the show, but that is really friggin' cool. Um, you're, (laughs) oh my gosh, a new game every Monday. Oh, can you imagine, Mark? I my basement wouldn't. I could. I would. I'd be done in like three yeah. weeks. I'd be done. Well, there's a lot of room in this uh, facility. Wait, hey Doc, is that what's your official title? Like, if somebody like on your tax form, what do you put? <laughs> Arcade God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just arcade owner. It's, ah. it's difficult. Because, there's so many, uh, it's bigger than the arcade. There's a production company, the reproductions company, and the, uh, the gym and martial arts school. So, Oh, so cool. So. <laughs> Jeez. It's the Arcade News with Adam Stevens. Hey, you jumped ahead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Hold on. What? We haven't called Dan Reed to figure out what he's up to. No, we don't need to call yes. Dan Reed. Yes, we what, do. It's, what, it's a tradition. We just we just did the news bumper. I, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. That thing is horrid. It's horrid. I can't imagine people are using it, but whatever. I'm working on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Goodbye. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was right. awesome. 
was Are it. you kidding me? <laughs> <sighs> that was great. Okay, so I think now, somebody they're gonna think to we your... made that up. They're gonna think no, we that, made that up. That was real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a pop up book is um, supposed to revive Sega's arcade glory days. A new book hopes to revive some of uh, this is via uh, newatlas.com. Uh, <clears throat> a new book hopes to revive some classic Sega arcade cabinets of yesteryear as pop-up paper sculptures. The project, titled Sega Arcade Pop-Up History, will feature some of the early 80s classics of game designer Yu Suzuki during his time at Sega's legendary AM2 division. Specifically, the games will include Hang On, Space Harrier, Outrun, Thunderblade, and Afterburner. I wonder if it's the environment one, or if it's just the stand-up one. What do you think? There's like so many Afterburners. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. That's well, cool. So a pop-up book, book of arcade games. Apparently. The book is currently a quarter of the way towards its um, 40,000 pound or US $53,000 Kickstarter goal. The project is the work <clears throat> of video game history publisher Read Only Memory in collaboration with game writer Keith Stewart and paper engineer Helen Friel and illustrator Cam Tang. Paper engineer. That's awesome. There's a lot of tongue-twisting words in this this, this news article, so I'm going to move on to the next one, which is yes. you can now buy a retro-authentic Rampage arcade cabinet for just 300 bucks. This is from uh, bloodydisgusting.com. Have you ever wanted to own a Rampage arcade cabinet? Well, probably not if you're Doc because you already have one. And he's, in the, he's standing next to it in our ad on Arcade Radio's Facebook page. But thanks to the company Arcade 1UP, you can now own your own Rampage, and it won't cost you as much money. Money as you might expect. Now up for pre-order, Arcade One Up's retro arcade cabinets are selling for just three ninety-nine at most locations, <clears throat> though they're currently up for grabs from Walmart for just two ninety-nine each. Um, are these the, like these super cheapened up things? Is that what they are? You know, like they're like little short cabinets where you need to sit down in front of it and it's got an LCD. I mean, you know, it's like. They have those little small handheld ones, and they yeah. were like, you know what? We could make this five times bigger. <laughs> Crazy. But use the same, you know, whatever technology is in the little one and make it just. Is there a picture more... of it? What's that? Is There's there a, a picture. Okay, let me, let me pull up a picture. Oh. They're making three different ones, and, you know, it's legit. They're licensed. Copy. So it's but sub- if you're tall, it's going to be annoying. It's not like. An, it's definitely not what I would call a real arcade experience. Yeah, they remind me of those little Williams cabinets that came out a while ago. You know, they're... Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're just... They ain't pretty. They uh, probably get the job done. Actually, they look exactly like it. It's it's cheaper wood and probably cheaper components. They're, that's really short. Oh, who even knows if, if it's made out of wood? It's Well, if it's made out of plastic, we're in business. <laughs> right? I just threw it up on the chat here. I don't know if people can see it. Um, might be a little... I see it. So that particular cabinet plays Rampage, Gauntlet, Joust, and Defender. Interesting. Huh. Well, it's funny because there's three sets of joysticks, but... All wait the- a minute. Three <laughs> of those are Williams. How do you play Defender on a, with only three buttons? What's, or two buttons? I don't even know what's happening. Rampage is Midway, right? And then Gauntlet is Atari, isn't it? Yeah, they just, they just licensed them and then stuck them in the same cabinet. So there's no honor for producer or you know, I don't like originator. It. I don't like okay. it. I don't like change. No. <laughs> Go to Galloping Ghost yeah. for a real experience. I'm channeling, I'm channeling Dan, you know. That thing yeah, is yeah, horrid. Yeah. It's yeah. horrid. I can't imagine people are using it, but whatever. That's perfect clip for that. Yeah. 
I play that almost every show, but that's the perfect clip. Okay, so um, Switch has um, added a never-before-released Nintendo arcade game. Uh, This is from GameSpot.com. It's kind of interesting. It's another packed week of releases for Nintendo Switch. This sounds like propaganda to me. I don't know. Nearly, I mean, Doc puts 365 new games in his arcade every year. No, 52. 52. 52. Oh, it's every week. Sorry, not every day. for you, Adam. No. That would be awesome, though. <laughs> one every day. Oh, don't you have like a Tricky Tuesday or a what's what if up Christmas Wednesday? comes on a Monday? What do you do then? then We're there. We put one up on Monday. We put oh, one up on Christmas. I New love Year's it. Eve, we oh, never close. Really? We're up seven days a week. Wow. 365 days a year? 365. Does pe- do people come there on Christmas? Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. When we opened, people were kind of, uh, how can you be open on Christmas? And now uh, there's about 100... 150 people that show up on Christmas. Oh my gosh. Sounds like a great way to s- s- celebrate Christmas. I bet you yeah. Thanksgiving's yeah. the same way and all that. That's that's yeah. awesome. New Year's, well, everything. Everybody's there. Um, well, it beats going to the movie theater. For sure. For sure. It's an amazing community behind the place. And there's so many people that travel in from out of state and out of the country. And wow. It's, uh, it, it's surprising to see it just constantly grow so interesting well nearly nearly 30 titles launched for the hybrid console this week but one of the most intriguing is sky skipper we did a show about this not too long ago with whitney whitney roberts is that right um and an exceptionally rare nintendo arcade game that was never released in north america sky skipper arrives on the switch eShop as part of hamsters arcade archives line making this the first time that the arcade version has been officially released in the north american region the game originally launched in japan in 81 the same year that donkey kong debuted nintendo distributed a handful of cabinets at test locations in north america but according to the um gaming legend along with polybius it was poorly received and the new game was scrapped <laughs> no that, okay, I, I inserted Cat that. Cat Despair is whispering in your ear right now. <laughs> I, she she did not invent that Polybius thing. No, you know? but she made a really good documentary, which I highly recommend. Well, she she's a guest in it. I sure, mean, right? She didn't. She's, she didn't make it. No, we just played okay. it on. We played it the clips of it on the show. I think. I right? see. Okay. Yeah, she was in it. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, oh, uh, hey, uh, Doc, is there a Skyskipper at uh, Gallop and Ghost? I'm sure, you don't want to call. Uh, no. Oh. Is there plans to have a skyskipper? Um, so far, no. But uh, never say never. Never say never. Is there a hellifier at uh, Galloping nope. Ghost? Are there plans? Now he's just jerking with you. <laughs> he's just jerking. Just checking. It's the list changes uh, so frequently. It's uh, things become of interest, and then they're obsessed over and oh, back is, down. And is Galloping Ghost your floor and your warehouse? Like you don't have a warehouse with games that aren't in use. Oh, we have several. Okay, um, several. We've got uh, the vaults have about two hundred and about two hundred and sixty games that we haven't added to the floor yet. Wow! So uh. it's uh, all stuff. We're just about to do this expansion, so most of them will be going over there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have we have games uh, pretty much in all of our buildings, uh, just waiting to get over here. Crazy so. man, crazy. Oh. How much more room is there? Oh. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to the, to cave, the cave with, with Time Runner. 
Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? There is a problem. Hello and welcome to Back to the Cade. Today is July 26, 2018, and we're going back to July 26, 1984. 84. Yes, Big Brother, the Mac, and all sorts of other stuff. The things that happened in 84. Consoles, PCs. <laughs> things that things. happened in 84. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Okay, so, uh, and I have a link on each of these that is intended to be background music, but if you can't get to them, that's okay. Oh, the, yeah, you should warn me about that ahead of time. Hey, Adam, every episode there will be a link with background music stuff. Well, I just clicked on a link and it brought me to an article. That ain't. Oh, no. What? No, 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 the red, the red links. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, here we go. Okay, so, hey, in arcade news... Uh On July 26th, uh, while Adam's pulling up the audio from this game, Uh uh, Namco released The Tower of Druaga. Druaga. Am I getting it right? Druaga. Yes. I call it Druaga myself. Druaga? A precursor to the action role-playing game genre, maze-based role-playing arcade game, first game in the Babylonian Castle Saga series. I don't know what the hell. And inspired by Sumerian and Babylonian mythology, including the epic... Gilgamesh and the Tower of Babel. I am not joking. It was conceived as a fantasy Pac-Man with combat, puzzle solving, and subtle role-playing role-playing elements. At one point, you get to hold a hot dog in your hand. The Tower of Dru- Druaga. <laughs> it was a success in Japan. It attracted millions of fans. You want me to um, read it for you? <laughs> You always think that you can read better than me. It largely began the trend of combining arcade-style action mechanics with RPG elements. Um, One of the things that inspired is Legend of Zelda. Really? Yeah. Kind of, a little bit, a little bit. Hey, Doc, is there a tower in your uh, collection? There is not. Man, he's bad. Are you familiar with that particular game? I am. I've I've seen okay. it several times, but I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I you know I tried to find a cabinet picture and I could not. I mean, is there artwork and the marquee and all that good stuff, or is it all in Japanese or something? It's probably uh, I've never seen a marquee for it um, or any artwork. So yeah, I, I have a feeling that somebody should take the flyer and sort of improvise. Just make something, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, there there's enough in there, I think. All right, so that's that was what was happening. How many years ago was that? Hey, Steve Barbie years hi. ago. Oh my God! What? Steve Barbie says hi. Steve Barbie from Grinker's Grand Palace. The, the yeah. Three months, three months away, four months. Yeah, away. we're getting close. Know. We should probably have him on the show. Yeah. Maybe. Um, maybe he'll be our season premiere after we go. Possibly. So, hey, July 26, 34 years ago from today's date. Back back then on this day, only three days were left before the American rock musical drama film directed by Albert Mangoli would premiere. The film starred musical prodigy Prince in his acting debut playing the kid, the quasi-biographical character, which means they just changed stuff so that it sounded good or bad or whatever. Uh, Purple, Rain, Purple Rain was developed to showcase Prince's talents, and the film contains several concert sequences, all shot in downtown Minneapolis's First Avenue. Have you been, Adam? To First Avenue? It's First Avenue. Have you heard of it? A couple times. If you haven't lived, yeah, shut up. I'm sure you've been there like a billion times. I saw Prince, but not. Oh man, I never saw him in Minneapolis. I saw him at uh, Target Center. 
So, so what Adam's playing is so. the unedited original video of Prince recording his performance of Purple Rain at First Avenue. They they hired a bunch of dudes and recorded the concert, and then they edited down what they had recorded and put it in the movie. It's really bizarre that they would do that. Um, and all the people that are in the audience had never heard any of the music, so they're just listening. They're not making any noise. It was like the perfect situation. But would that be cool to go back and see Prince perform all that stuff for the first time? Yeah. I mean, and he didn't even like tour it and then record, you know, multiple versions of it. He took the one time he performed it and did it. Right. Anyway, okay. So we're moving on here. Okay. Uh, last little part here in, in what happened 34 years ago. We're, let's talk about what was on TV. This is weird. Of course, it's the summer. Now comes your time for the best beer you can find Miller High. <laughs> oh my gosh, just shoot me in the head right now. This, the 84 Summer Olympics were in full swing. Wow. And some dude decided, hey, I'm going to put together 30 minutes of commercials that aired during the Olympics on this date. Making the Olympics represents the top, and that's where I want to be. Traditionally, America's cyclists have had to train without the advantage of proper facilities. So 7-Eleven built a track. 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. The first Olympic-class velodrome in America. We've come There's a lot of weird I commercials where they're, uh, different companies are... Wow. You know, trying to brag. I don't know where it is in there, but somewhere there's a Coca-Cola commercial where some straight-laced guy is, like, wanting to be a short-order cook, and then he becomes a short-order cook, and he does amazing, and everybody's amazed, and then everybody drinks a Coke. Oh, my gosh. That's great. And and the commercial is, like, two minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) It has nothing to do with the Olympics, but I'm like, what? What were they? Why? Crazy. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You know what question that leads me to ask? What is it? What's in the juke? Hello and welcome to What's in the Juke. Yeah. So here we go. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you go ahead. We got to get the tapes out. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. It's a lot of tapes. <laughs> I was expecting reel to reel, but whatever. <laughs> it takes longer to load those up. <laughs> hey, so so for our sparse, uh, we we don't have a lot of people on the uh, on the chat, but you know what, what we're looking at scoring Aww. points for today Sad. are guessing the artist. Okay. If you can guess the song, that's great. You got an extra point. Well, it's it's a shame because I did finally for Ryan. I dug out the the sound clips. So. Oh, Ryan. You know, as they're guessing, you know, you'll hear uh, this if you get a half point. Half point. And this if you get a full point. Full point. I think that's pretty good. I mean, we could stick to our half point thing. I mean, whatever. I, I'm not a fan of fractions. Well, we we give people a full point when they get both half points. Half point. Okay. Half point. Full point. You see? It'll work. Casey okay. usually gets a full point. I don't even see Casey in the chat. If he's there, that's great. Well, maybe he heard about the music he picked. <laughs> he backed out? Like he's mowing his lawn right now? <laughs> I think we're missing a lot of people. It must be a nice night somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good oh, my excuse. gosh. All right. Well, Doc, if you know any of these, jump right in. 
<laughs> oh, <I> probably won't. <laughs> who's the Davilope? That's a new name I haven't seen. Uh, I thought he was like I thought he was Dave from Buffalo, but it sounds like he's a different guy. He's he goes Peter Cetera. He's guessing in advance. I'm gonna tell you right now, there is not any Peter Cetera songs here. But there is a theme. Why don't you tell him about the theme, Mark? Our theme is that all of these songs have the word doctor in them in honor of Doc Mac. Oh, thank you. A doctor of arcadiology. It's either in <laughs> honor of or to torture you. We're not really yes. sure which one. Here yes. comes the first clip. Hang on to your hats. It's a good one. I don't know. I love that. That's a good don't. That's a great opening for a song. This happens to be like the second, my second favorite song by this band. Yeah, I missed a chance to listen to them perform. Casey, did, did Casey popped in. No half point. Casey got a half point, and then everyone else has. Okay. They're fighting it out. <laughs> oh. And Casey gets the other half point for full point. a full point. Thompson Twins, Dr. Doctor. That's pretty good. Now, I'm sorry in advance about the rest of these songs. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, I don't know if these will be in order. Okay, here we go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter? Okay, here we go. Oh, yeah, this one. <laughs> That's 15 seconds. That's way more than one you, we usually have to give. Anybody? 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 Let's give him a hint. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne's involved. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not Kiss. Here, I'll skip to the middle somewhere. My darling. That was a pretty good spot to pick. Yeah. Nobody. They're fumbling around. Um, oh. Kiss? Oh. I'm like, what band's name? Ki oh. He lowercase. <laughs> I'm used to Kiss being all uppercase. <laughs> With lightning. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think we're going to have to move on to the next one. That was Black Sabbath Rock and Roll Doctor from 1976. Sweet. Yes. Okay, here comes the next one. So Casey's winning with Full one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is the next song. Clip. Well, I just... <laughs> Good luck. That's enough. Good luck. That's like a really short song. <laughs> Give you a hint. It was a rock opera. Dave Lope got the band name. Oh, we got a half point. All right. Um, half point for the Dave Lope. That's right. It's like the Jackalope, but he's a Dave. It's from Tommy. Yeah, we should, we should yeah, give him yeah. a half point we for that. We should give Dave half points point. for that. Yeah, yeah. Dave from Buffalo, you know, you're going to get a half point. Awesome. It is from Tommy. It's called, remember, remember these have the word doctor in them, so you can be looking this up if you want to, too. But the song is There is a Doctor by The Who. Yes, I think this doctor is supposed to cure you from your, you know, a, liking pinball so much. Oh. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the next doctor song. 
And uh, here it goes. I like this song. Boy, I like that song. Yeah, the intro probably doesn't get as much play, but... I think it's really good, actually. I'm going to probably get it, but I don't have this one. Not Motley Crue. Not Motley Crue. Good guess, though. I'll play a little bit more. Okay, I can't understand what he's saying. Not Dr. Uh, Feelgood, but good guess. I need a little timer that runs out. Ding, 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 you know. I don't have one. Yeah, we just don't have one. Yeah, I have fighting noises. <laughs> Doc, any guesses on this one? I, I got nothing. Okay. It's cheap if it's trick. Not that's... If it's not Led Zeppelin, damn it. <laughs> it was a cheap trick, Mark. It was a cheap trick. Yes, I'm sorry. And the song is called The Doctor. By Cheap Trick. <laughs> okay. Mm, moving on to the moving next on. one. <laughs> Here we go. Well, that's apropos. Oh, man. I was going to get that. <laughs> we just play that again. We're just going to take this clip and play it throughout the show. Oh, my gosh. Okay, played enough. You can get that from there, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, Dave from Buffalo. Oh, he comes through. <laughs> Dave from Buffalo in first place for the first time. <laughs> he just never. Full point. That's awesome. Yeah, Aqua. Do you know any other songs Aqua did? Could it's you... a little weird that he got it, but I'm okay with it. Right? Isn't, didn't they sing that Barbie song or something? That's the only song they sang, if you ask me. This I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Next track. Now this is a good song. Yeah. When I see you coming, all I see is loving inside. Oh yeah. And baby, all I gotta do is see you, and I know that it's right. Oh my God, that's a good song. Huh. <laughs> we got Tom Jones, Doctor Love, another full point. All right. Today from Buffalo. That's awesome. Nice. I'm going to play a little bit more of that. That was really good. It gets pretty clear who the artist is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that song is awesome. All right. Next track. Here we go. One, two, three, four. (laughs) Well, somebody should get that. The Google Foo is strong this week. <laughs> the Beatles. We get a half point for Casey Relford. Dr. Roberts. <laughs> Full point. Goes to Casey. All right. Dave from Buffalo leading with 2.5 points. Casey in second. And then Dave Alope with a half point. There you go. The Beatles. I wonder what that song's about. It's about Dr. Robert. 
What did he do for them, I wonder? Uh, probably gave them drugs to make them come out of their drug. And, well, this is too early. Wow. This is the 60s. They hadn't done that yet. Okay, here we go. So just STDs. Oh, my God. I know this song, actually. I don't want to be the filler if the void is solely yours. Oh, my God. Just use your vowels, lady. One time I went to one of her concerts and she was staring at somebody behind me, but I was like, felt like I was making eye contact with her. <laughs> and you're winking at her the whole time. Yes. So the whole time I'm like enjoying. What's like, up? Pretending- What's up? What's up? Half point. <laughs> Goes to Dave from Buffalo. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> no, seriously. When you have Alanis Morissette staring at you, oh, I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is the best concert I've ever been to. <laughs> I don't want to be our glass of single malt whiskey hidden in the bottom drawer. I don't want to be a bandage if the wound is... She makes vowels into something else. She just has them all over the place. Ex-girlfriend of mine uh, had to go to the bathroom at one of the Mark Wahlberg movie premieres, and she had, she was in the bathroom with Alanis. Alanis had spilled something. Oh, on her dress or what? Yes, apparently. So they bonded. Hmm. <laughs> She's from Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that song was called Not the Doctor. (laughs) Not the Doctor. (laughs) All right. So where are we at with the score, Mark? We got two left. Uh, Dave from Buffalo is in the lead with three points. Casey in second with two. And Davilo pulling up the rear with .5 points. All right. Here comes the next track. one of my favorite bands it is my i have uh, two or three of their albums nothing nobody everybody's like i don't know her. i've never been in a box what that was it. Actually, the last the last mosh pit I was in was at a Marilyn Manson thing. Hey, Doc, have you ever been in a mosh pit? <laughs> Dave Lopes says, "Is this obscure night or <laughs> what?" You, you interrupted him. I, I didn't quite get the answer. Sorry. No, I haven't. You have not. Oh, it's nope. fun, especially when you're in your forties and you're in a mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you were in one? I was forty three or something like that. It was great, except for they kept throwing me back in, and I'm like. I had to like, as I was approaching somebody to, that was going to push me back, I'm like, I need to get out. And they're like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not Motorhead. That was Sisters of Mercy, Dr. Jeep. Um, yeah. So. This one should be good. Dave Lopes says, Obscure Night or what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so are we on the last one now? This is it. I, I think you hopped over one of them. I'll probably over, uh, I'll throw 19. another I'll throw another one in. Here okay, here we go. Really? Oh, 
uh, if they can't get this, then we're in trouble. It's classic. Yeah. It's classical music. This it is it's classical music. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Casey. Of course. <laughs> oh, yep. Crew. Doctor Feelgood. Full point. He, I guess he gets it. Casey and Dave are Buffalo tied. So we can have a tiebreaker. I got it right here. Ready? All right. Okay. Um, this is this this is gonna be this is pretty obscure though. I mean, they they may sure. or may not have heard of it. You know, yeah. right? I don't know. Play it. Okay. Is uh, this the one? Oh, you wait, missed? wait, 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 wait. No, this I got a better one. Here we go. Yeah, I knew it. Nope, I got a really good one. Here we go. Um, here we go. Did Casey drop out? I'm no, s- he's still there. Oh, we lost somebody. That was the best track right there. Not the Spin Doctors. Doctor and the Medics. No, not them. Not Dr. Hook. No. I can't believe they're not going to get... This is obscure, though, I guess. Casey, I could do that if you want. <laughs> he says in, his, in the chat, he goes, next week's theme, songs with the word the, the in, in the, the title. title. <laughs> I could do that. All songs start with the. Go. <laughs> That's Doctor in the TARDIS by KLF. All right. Yeah. I think we're good with uh, Dave from Buffalo and Casey Tyne. Yeah, not bad. This not is bad. good because now we finally get to talk to Doc Mack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is this, that's the part of the show, huh? Yeah. We don't have any calls? Oh. No. Just Dan Reed telling him he's working on the Turtles. Oh. Which, by the way, he's doing in like a scramble cabinet or something. I don't exactly know how that's going to work out. Oh, he must be doing a Konami Turtles. Oh. Yeah, it's a two-player. Huh. Yeah. What's the best part of your cereal in the morning? What's the best part? Drinking the milk after the cereal, right? Yeah. Everybody loves the milk after the cereal. Well, why not make cereal milk? There you go. You know, make it taste like Fruit Loops or Cocoa Pebbles. And just sell them. It's true. It's a milk, right? Cereal milk. People... Buy it up, man. <laughs> Buy it up. Right? I know I would. I love cereal milk. <laughs> we should have that guy on the show. Please welcome to the show one more time, Mr. Doc Mac. And I have the hey. first question for you <laughs> uh, after I stop interrupting you so you can say hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, why is your name Doc? It's just weird parents. It's uh, it was a problem a problem growing up. <laughs> that's your you did not adopt that. That's your name. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I expected some story, and huh? it's just your parents named you Doc. Yeah. Well, that explains uh, why your name Doc then. Do you feel like you grew into it? Yeah, it was uh, something I did not like 
initially. Because frankly, it's a cool ass name, right? And so, sure beats the hell yeah. out of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it was no better being Adam. You know, Adam and Eve was like. Yeah. The, I got from, a lot of Mork from Orks from my Mark. Yeah, and yes. I don't even want to discuss my last name, which is why it changes every show. <laughs> so, um, Mark, why don't you dig into that first question? Yes, let me let me ask you a standard question that we have. <clears throat> sort of an as, origin story type of question. Oh, yes, as a youth, what were the circumstances when you first became hooked on arcade games? Um, I had uh, started playing like Pong and Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and I vividly remember going into there's a restaurant. Uh, and in the entryway, there was an asteroids and just the way it looked, it was, uh, an instantaneous thing. Uh, like talking with my, my dad, he was like, oh yeah, these are, there's whole places where you can just go play these games. Yeah. And that was the start of it. It was, uh, um, just started going when I was super young. Um, by the time I was seven or eight, I was going constantly. And then uh, is when I got to the point where uh, our best arcade, we had so many around us, which was just great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I remember the one that I'd like to go to was about a uh, an hour and a half bike ride. And uh, I had to go like, literally, it was just massive amounts of traffic. And I'd ride my bike there, 10 years old, and uh, just couldn't play them enough. And there were ones around, like every uh, diner and restaurant had arcades. So it was, I'd play wherever I could find them. Sweet. So uh, I guess that the next natural question would be, what were some of your favorite arcades back in the day? Uh, Like Asteroids, uh, Double Dragon, Operation Wolf. The the arcades themselves, where the games were. Yeah. The actual arcades. I played it... uh, Hunter Trails was the one that I really liked to play at. Oh, okay. Um, it was part uh, mini golf and go-karts and stuff. And they had two two different buildings with arcades in it. Sweet. What? And it was all monster themed. Like there's this giant 40-foot Frankenstein out front and everything. And I think I remember cool. seeing pictures of this on Clav. You probably, yeah. somebody posted pictures about that thing. Is that, it, is it around anymore or is it gone? Yeah, yeah. It's still there. Mm. Um, they still have one arcade room. The rest is all redemption and stuff. Oh, yeah. They got to make money, I guess. Sure, sure. We should talk about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Wouldn't so, it be funny, like, in 50 years, there's, like, nostalgic redemption games? Like, <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to tangent here for a second. There's, we're talking about people trying to make money in arcades. You have uh, an ungodly number of arcade games in your uh, Galloping Ghost arcade in Brookview. Or Brookfield. Brookfield? Brookfield. Brookfield. So um, tell us about how many games you have in that thing. Uh, we're at 659 right now. Are you the largest arcade in North America right now? Uh, from from what I can find the world. Wow. Uh, I have talked to a lot of people in Japan. Uh, we get a lot of players that fly in from Japan. Okay. And uh, they're everybody says that we're the biggest. So. Wow. A Galloping Ghost. Where did you get the name? Um, I hid initially seen uh there's a world war ii book uh that my brother was transcribing and it had a logo on a a, on a bomber of uh something similar and he was using it as a a band that he was in he was using it as a for a concert okay 
and he redrew it and changed it up. And then I, I just was like, Oh, that's the coolest thing. And, uh, <laughs> I literally, I got a tattoo of it. I was 15 or 16. And, um, I was on the phone. I was obsessed with, uh, Sega Genesis stuff too. Okay. I collected every commercially released game out there. Uh, I constantly called people at the development companies and I was talking, uh, this was in 94, um, with a guy from a company called Razorsoft. Uh, they put out a game called uh, Techno Cop, and they had a bunch of really cool games. I love Techno Cop. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, but he, we were talking about game design, and uh, he asked if I was working for a company, and I, I pretty much was like, right then. It's like I knew I wanted to work in the industry, uh, so that was kind of the start of Galloping Ghost Productions. Okay. And mm. uh, that's... The production company started long before the arcade. Uh, oh, interesting. Well, as long as we're talking about that, why don't you tell us a little about, about the branding? So Galloping Ghosts has um, obviously an arcade, and then you have Productions. Yeah, Productions uh, was the first company from 94. Uh, the first game we started working on uh, in 94 was uh, Dark Presence, okay. which uh, we worked on it for about 10 years and rebooted it because it was the game was just massively huge and even going with arcade hardware uh technology wasn't able to run the game that we wanted to make okay uh so in 2005 we went back to our filming studio and this was a live action it was kind of like a mortal Kombat style game okay um so is, we this, went, the, is we, this the one where you're you're a character in it I, yeah, I did do all the. I played a few, couple of the characters and I did sweet, all the uh, sweet. fight choreography. Um, <laughs> this all stems from your love of Sega Genesis and Mortal Kombat, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I literally had. Um, it's funny. Uh, I met with Ed Boon. Okay. And uh, asked him. I, I At the time, I wanted to go work for Midway. All right. And he was. I had opened Galloping Ghost Productions, but uh, was still kind of like, if I can go work at Midway, I'd go work at Midway. And chance meeting with him, uh, just at this video game store that I worked at, and he was, I asked him, like, how I, I want to come work for Midway. How do you do it? He's, like, <laughs> he's shaking his head, and he's like, oh, I don't, you have to know people. And <laughs> well, I, Okay. It's not uh, what you know, but who you know. Yeah. Uh, for, and I was like, well, I know you now, so yeah. Let's. when can I start? And he's like, it's so hard to get in the industry. And just, I left just, going, just to inter- interject really quickly, because some of our sure. listeners might not know Edward Boone. Ed Boone. Um, uh, he is uh, basically the, the game programmer and director for like tons of Mortal Kombat, almost the entire Mortal Kombat series, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was the... <laughs> original creator him and uh john tobias and there's so many like the background on mortal Kombat mm-hmm. uh runs so deep with me uh, like when we started working on our game uh we had approached the original actors to be in our game mm-hmm. uh most of them are martial artists from the chicago land area so um i had met one of a couple of them at a the C- old ces show when the genesis game came oh, out. oh cool and uh, Daniel Piscina, who played like Johnny Cage and Scorpion and Sub-Zero, was uh, one of the first guys that I met. Um, and it was uh, just, I lost touch with him over the years, but yeah, uh, it's been an interesting, as the arcade opened and as 
well, before that, as the production company started, reconnected with several of the MK actors. Yeah. And uh, was telling them, hey, we want you to be in this video game. And they were like, you're, they came out, they did, were fitted for the costumes and were all set to film. And uh, then they started to see what they had to do mm-hmm. and how long it was going to take. And they ended up uh, not being able to be a part of it just because like the original Mortal Kombat, uh, each character filmed in about four hours. And uh, we literally filmed seven days a week for close to four years. And it was just far too much of a time commitment for them. So uh, they were very supportive in everything, but uh, they ended up not being in the actual game, unfortunately. But, oh. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I was at MGC. Uh, I think the first time I met you, I was at MGC. And uh, there was a bunch of Mortal Kombat people there, and I had no idea that you had something to do with that. Can you tell us the relationship there? Yeah, so we've had, um, since we opened the arcade, uh, well, stepping back a little bit, we were getting to be good friends by the time uh, we were wrapping up filming uh, with Dark Presence. And about a year after being out of our filming studio, uh, we went into post-production, and then it started becoming apparent that we were going to open up this arcade. And the biggest thing that I was most excited about was uh, bringing all the industry people to the arcade and getting them uh, meeting with fans. And I wanted to really see these people get the credit that they've always deserved. Um, So many of the guys that have worked on these games, to me, they're, they're legends. And unfortunately, most people don't know any of their names. Like they'll like the games of them, like like Rampage, like Brian Colin and uh, Jeff Nauman, who made that game. Uh, everybody recognizes Brian's art. He's a phenomenal artist, but nobody knows who he is. Uh, guys like Jeff Lee, who did Cubert, and uh, like all the Mortal Kombat actors. So it was out of the gate one of these things that we really wanted to not just have the arcade, but get all this history from all the developers to uh, have them come out to the arcade and share their stories. Because there's from me working on our game, it was quite a, to me, it was the biggest thing that I wanted to know was like why these games were made like they were and get a better, deeper insight. And honestly, almost every industry person that I talked to, uh, they initially they think no these games were made so long ago nobody's gonna care and it was it's been so amazing to give them an audience and be like no you you're you're a hundred percent wrong people really want to hear these stories yeah and that has blossomed into this thing where all these industry people now are getting invited to shows mm-hmm. and they're getting to travel all around the world and they have so many stories and fans travel in to meet them. And it's, uh, it's just incredible to, to have this uh, be kind of like the meeting place for so many of them. Um, totally. Yeah. For Mortal, for Mortal Kombat, we hold a yearly event. It started off as a tournament that we would host called uh, Shang Tsung's Fight Night. Okay. And <laughs> it started, it was just three or four of the MK actors would show up for it. Flawless victory. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we would every year we would add add new actors and uh new new people that worked on the games and stuff and uh two years ago we started it was got to the point where it was so big that it evolved into what we call combat con okay okay where we, we had 
we're flying in all the actors that have moved out of state. We're getting all the everybody that worked on the game out to this event. We couldn't even host it at the arcade anymore because too many people. It's too big. It's too yeah. big. Fantastic, man! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. like okay. Quick question: the uh, the the actors. I mean, obviously, you've met all of them, and and they show up to Combat Con, and you've facilitated this thing. You know, a childhood dream come true almost. <laughs> you know, maybe even you weren't even like looking for it, but it just ended up happening. So yeah. the, my question is: uh, the movie. Mortal Kombat, the movie, much different yeah. actors. Uh, what did you think when you first saw that movie? I, I honestly, I wanted to walk out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not what I wanted. I knew by then. Um, it was like, no, I know, I know Johnny Cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why is it? Why isn't Johnny Cage here? Exactly. Why isn't he playing those the actor? <laughs> and there was a lot of. Uh, they were looked at to be in the movie. Uh, but it just didn't work out, and uh, it's it's really unfortunate because the actors had such influence over their characters. Sure, sure. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to see uh, like the the making of footage of Mortal Kombat, and have so much behind the scenes information and stuff that it it is it's a, it's a childhood dream come true where uh, I get to know virtually everything and and see it all through video and uh you watch the actors like daniel piscina come up with moves and the back and forth between ed boone and john tobias and rich divisio who played kano and baraka and yeah how how all these moves would become eventually they would become so iconic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and recognizable and you see it every day 25 years later, people are yelling out the get over here. Yeah. 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 It's, it's outrageous to have watched that creation process, Mm -hmm. uh, through video. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I remember going to the movie thinking, um, not expecting anything. Cause you know, typically arcade games that are turned into movies are quite terrible. You know, there's just, there hasn't been a, I mean, they made a movie out of, uh, Battleship for or and it, that's a board game. But asteroids, oh. don't they have asteroids? Asteroids is the movie. It's, no, yeah, they have the the rights to it. They haven't made it yet, I think. But it's like, what are you gonna do? There's gonna be one ship and a bunch of rocks coming towards you. Well, and I think the big reason, a, a perfect example, is uh, with the new Rampage movie. Um, they had access to Brian Cullen, who created it. Sure, and they flew him out there. And it is. It's Tell us so who different. Brian Cullen is, by the way, in your relationship with that guy. Uh, Brian Cullen is um, the creator of an artist behind games like Rampage and Xenophobe, Arch Rivals, Pigskin, Zwackery. He's he's yeah. worked on. He's got a very stylized. Uh, his artwork is just very recognizable. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, Rampage, man, that's. The cart. I think that was what drew me to that game was the whole cartoon aspect of it. You know, there's there's so much the way he animated things, mm-hmm. uh, just by the expressions and his sense of humor. It, it stands out through all his games. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's so unfortunate that they didn't tap him more to be involved. Like he he was flown out there. Uh, the script was already written, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like here's what we're doing instead of asking his input. I think it could have made it so much 
and uh, not that it's a bad movie or anything, but like, I think it would have added this level that the gamers would have appreciated uh, far more to the, for the rampage movie or for the, or, uh, which movie you're talking about? Right. For rampage for, oh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for any of them. Um, sure. I think it, it is looked at uh, just in, in such different eyes as um, instead of what it should be. Like sure. if it's something to pay homage to these, these great games uh, go back to the people that made them and right. uh, get their input and make it yeah. have some of the, essence that the original game had instead of just trying to make it uh some blockbuster that doesn't have the same heart that that the game did for sure yeah that's that's crazy man it's uh i'm supposed to ask you about jeff lee someone in the chat says something about jeff lee yeah jeff lee um another i met him for the first time at uh midwest gaming classic okay uh, trick man terry introduced us who uh from pixel blast uh arcade uh and it's been we've been so fortunate he lives like five minutes away from here another video game artist right yep he was the artist of uh cubert and three stooges uh crawl um ever, most of the games from gottlieb uh Bad i know Planets. i know a guy that has a crawl i know two guys that have crawl great yeah. You don't see very many of them anymore. No. Dan Reed, our former host, has a restored one, and uh, Mr. Brian Armitage has another one that he picked up. Yeah. So. Is there is there a crawl on the floor at uh, Gallop and Ghost? Yes. Yes. Brian Armitage also told me to rib you about some game you might be looking for, having a hard time finding something about a quantum. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> I am looking for a quantum. <laughs> so anybody who's got a quantum... <laughs> <laughs> is it is there a particular reason you want that it's just because it's so cool uh we've had uh several people looking uh just asking that we get one yeah and uh we we try to uh occasionally uh listen to what the people want <laughs> that that is a really fun game it's very fun it is it is i i literally was about to pull the trigger on uh two games i've been looking for for a while both popped up at the same time Sweet. That being a quantum and an iRobot. And uh, uh, I hesitated for half a day and was, was uh, missed both of them. Oh, oh no. I, I don't miss many games, and I, I should have pulled the trigger quicker on them. But. That's terrible. You'll get one. You'll get one. <laughs> yeah. We're just uh, I can steal it out of Brian's house for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, with um, it's so much... The, the ones that we were looking at were just the going rate, like the, we call it the retail price. And, sure, uh, true. I, I hate paying retail for stuff just because we, we've been so fortunate on so many games that it's just the, the happen chance of getting it. And, uh, we get like outrageous deals and it's, it's the natural, uh, way that we find, like we found, uh, we got primal rage two. Um, nice was practically given to us uh we spent four hundred dollars on the board <laughs> and literally the day we put it on the floor uh somebody called and offered us sixty thousand dollars for it what and we turned it down <laughs> and it's it it just keeps happening and it's not something that um it's just that's the community behind this place mm-hmm. uh, we had death race somebody just donated one um 
people, a guy drove up with a sit down Sinistar and it was just like, you should probably have this. And it's like, it's a sit down Sinistar. It's like, you tell them it, there's 50, there's none of these out there. And they just wanted it a place that people can go and enjoy it and still uh, just get it out there and s- have fun with it. Like it was supposed to be. Sure. Hey, so, you know, your community and how it evolved, do you, have a specific like method for contacting them or are they all on facebook or how, do you have an email list or what's what's um, the- we we pretty much do uh we do a lot of facebook uh, we've got our our group and our fan page and stuff and uh the, the big thing is there's so much going on at the arcade that oh, about maybe 25 percent of the stuff that goes on at the arcade actually makes it so it's 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 just one of those where if you're there, the chance of some cool stuff happening is it'll just happen. Sure. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, we had uh, Toru Iwatani show up one day. Wow. What? Uh, creator of Pac-Man just yes. walked through the door. Uh, Eugene Jarvis. Like the industry people are very aware of us and they'll just be in the area one day and just show up. And wow. it's, uh, you never know who's going to be here. We get great players in from all over the world. Was uh, you know Iwatani might be one of the few people I would run up to and go, oh, excuse me, can I have your autograph? Yeah. Um, I don't normally do that. I mean, I'm I feel like everybody should be treated the same. You know, uh, pe- people should just be treated like people, uh, and I respect them for the industries that they've been in and such. And I and I love talking to them. But every once in a while, you're kind of like, dude, you thought of Pac Man when nobody else did, and that thing was just a juggernaut. <laughs> you know, it's I'm not even a big fan of the game, but the fact that he walked into Galloping Ghost would have been a little bit jaw-dropping for me. It was the funniest. I was in the back uh, working on a cabinet, and uh, <laughs> one of my guys came running up, and he's he's like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." I'm like, "I'm like what? What? What did you do?" <laughs> he's like, "I accidentally charged Toru Iwatani to get into the arcade. I didn't. I didn't recognize him right away." He's like, I gave him his money back as soon as I recognized who he was. He has his, his entourage with him. And uh, I was so happy that my guy knew who Toru Iwatani was. It was like, and he took care of him. And But that's the thing. It's uh, I, I, I spoke with him. It was so humbling talking to him. And he had nothing but he was uh, taking pictures of like every cabinet. And he's like, I, I haven't seen this one in forever. Or I've never seen this one. Yeah, he's, he's texting people back in Japan, and uh, I he teaches like uh, game design out in mm-hmm. Japan. So he's like texting students and wow. colleagues and showing off the arcade. And it was it was very humbling to have him and and you know not only him guys like Eugene Jarvis and Larry Demar and George Petro like these guys have made every game. It's like there's so many talented people that come in and you might not know their names, but it's like the creator of Robotron creator, defender creator, smash TV. Uh, and it's, it's just so having them have such a positive response to the arcade just means so much. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just, it just keeps growing and growing. So, Hey, um, when you started the arcade, Arcade, how many games, what kind of events grew that community? Well, so when we opened right out of the box, it was uh, opening, opening day was a 48 hour event. 
Uh, we had 100, 130 machines. That's respectable. Uh, uh, we were running tournaments. We had the Mortal Kombat actors there. We had uh, Rich Divizio, who played Kano, Baraka, Cabal, Quan Chi. Uh, Daniel Piscina, who was the ninjas and Johnny Cage. Um, Philip uh, Bond, who was Shang Tsung. Uh, we had... Um, yeah, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, it was... When uh, was opening day? Uh, it was August 13th, Friday the 13th, 2010. Oh, man. You've only been open eight years. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's flown by. <laughs> wow. Um, but it's the industry people have really helped grow it beyond, some, beyond what we ever fathomed it could be. Sure. Um, like Brian Colin, uh, he was the first to really... Well, actually, the MK guys, we got really close with them. They were there often. Okay. Um, just hanging out, and they were just kind of because we had the production company. Um, yeah, yeah. As they started growing in popularity, uh, like we were doing all their headshots for them because they're <laughs> they're signing autographs, and now they need they need stuff to sign. Yeah. So they're like, can you uh, can we get a couple hundred more pictures to sign? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Where did you get the outfits? Well, they were we were using original photos. Uh, from the filmings and just stuff that's kind of circulated. Uh, Daniel Piscina had taken so many pictures back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, over the years he's, he's been uh, kind enough to be, um, he's like, Oh, I have all these negatives (laughs) from (laughs) from when we're filming. And it's just stuff that people have never seen before. Yeah. And stuff that people are now that, they know that some of that stuff is out there. People people go crazy for the stuff. So do you, um, do you find yourself uh, creating more, or do you play? Do you play as much as you create? So you built this, you know, empire. Your your production company. Your launch. Your your 150 games, and boom! Now you're up to 600 and how many ever games. And do you have time to play? Do you play? I, I play every day, um, but it's hard. There are so many things that are going on. So we're still in, we're just wrapping up production on Dark Presence. Okay. Um, we, we constant, there's so many new things constantly happening that make there, uh, there's opportunities I can't pass up on. Sure. Um, Brian Colin uh, came in one day and he had donated two unreleased prototype games to us. Uh, one of one cabinets, RC squared, which Electronic Arts was working on, and nice. they, they canceled it. And uh, International Team Laser. Man, I've uh, never heard of <laughs> either one of those. International Team Laser was um, Blasted, which did come out from, from Bally. Okay, okay. Uh, they originally were doing a four-player version of it, and they took it to a show, and they were getting concerned about costs, so they were like, okay, we're going to scale this back and make a two-player game. Mm. He had the prototype, and he's... Uh, unfortunately the monitor had fallen in Mm. and he's like, I think this one's done for. And he's like, I'll give it to you. If you fix it. Awesome. (laughs) Wow. It it could be a harder problem. Right. Well, that's the funny thing is like, uh, that's the stuff I, I uh, absolutely love it. So many of the guys here just love the challenge. And I'm so fortunate to work with the guys that we have here within the the organization because I, I have a hard time, passing up on opportunities um so like brian we're talking 
and he's like, he's telling me all these stories. Uh, I had I had a breakfast with Brian Colon and Jeff Lee. So we're sitting at the restaurant across the street from the arcade. It's seven in the morning. They're telling me, uh, Jeff is telling me about when he's working on Qbert. Uh, Brian is telling me about all these crazy games that he's working on. And he starts telling me about this game called uh, um, Spectre Files, The Death Stalker. And he's like, yeah, it was this Laserdisc game. We shot it and uh, Bally canceled it uh, because of this NFL game that came out. It was on a CED disc. Oh, man. He said that game got his game canceled. Wow. Well, yeah, that's that kind of blows. Yeah, it, it was. It, it, we're talking about it, and he's like, "Oh, it's supposed to be this uh, very campy B horror movie, choose your own adventure game. It's all live actor, so it would throw a question to you, and you'd get one of three choices. And it was kind of like a, a a slower paced Dragon's Lair, just because it's question based. Um, so, because I'm thinking, I'm like, I I have what's left of this? Like, what is left of this right. game? Right. And he's like, oh, there's a music video online. He's like, it was never programmed. There might be footage in one of my garage, in my garage, maybe. And as soon as I heard there's footage, it's like, oh, if there's footage, I, I have to see it. <laughs> I, I have to. I, I need to. Yeah. And I, I watched this music video that was on YouTube. And you can instantly see Brian Cullen's humor in it. And it, it's... It's like I'm I'm begging this guy. I'm like, please go check, <laughs> see what you got. And he comes back and he's like, oh, I've I found the footage. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, this has to. I'm like, let's team up. Yeah. Like we have the production company. Let's finish this game. And he's like, okay. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> now we have like Brian Colin, who his company was Game Refuge. So it's. Gallop and Ghost and Game Refuge are working on a game together. That's really cool. It was started back in 1984. 84 or 94? Oh, his game is 84. His game was started in 1984. Wow. So we finish it. And now we have it in in the arcade. And he did uh, new side art. He did all the artwork for it. um, And the game's done. So it was this game that was started in 84 that never came out. We did a... we did a limited run of 10 cabinets that um, we have them. Uh, we haven't officially announced selling them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just we want to get them in the arcades uh, that people are going to enjoy them so they can be out. And So not my house. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we've, we've made a, a – uh, there's two exceptions so far that we're making. Okay. Uh, so – I can. I'm sure I can be coerced into letting them go in a, <laughs> a private collections, but I really want to see them out on the floor. Yeah. yeah. On the arcade floor at our place, there's. It's never empty. It's yeah. the game. I see why it was was canceled because like one quarter will last you like 45 minutes. Like right. you'll be playing this game for a long time. It yeah. never would have earned money, but it is getting so much attention on the floor, which is just unbelievable well and it, it and i didn't ask you this but what do you charge for somebody to get into galloping ghosts that's uh, 20 bucks all day just a just a 11 cover. 11 a.m to 2 a.m pretty and come and go as you please come and go as you please yeah. show you, you leave go get lunch show your receipt you're back in for free okay and uh it's it's just yeah just play as much as you want 
like you don't like a game go to the next one like there's and that that's the business model you don't have food you don't have drinks none of that no alcohol no redemption it's it's just arcade games and we we pull we're right around 80,000 people a year now wow um it's that defies uh, logic like most arcades can't have to shutter um but you're you must be a destination spot for a lot of people and you talked about christmas and thanksgiving and you're holding events i assume you know you started with what evolved into combat con right so you you have things going on. Um, it's bigger as we keep expanding. Um, it's so funny because like seven days a week, there's people that'll show up that are from out of state and out of the country. And it's so awesome to hear them tell the stories about where they heard, like where did they hear about us? Like what was it that drew them in? And um, like Primal Rage, for example, we had a couple hitchhike from Oregon uh, shortly after we put it on the arcade floor. And it's we've had people that are uh, people that are trying to open arcades that uh, we let them shadow us. Like we're totally open about sharing all the information about how we we grew into this. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, when we opened, everybody said we would be closed in six months, uh, including the industry people. Like all my all my industry friends were like, "Oh, you're you're incredibly passionate about this, but it's it's 2010. You're you're not going to work. It's yeah. it doesn't make any sense." Um, David Bishop, the executive vice president of Namco, uh, he was opening up Level 257, which is a restaurant arcade. Yeah, and it's so astonishing. Like I I really don't think that the industry knows itself that well. Um, and I think I always divide it between players, developers, and venues. Mm-hmm. And the venues are like nobody thought that a f- would people would pay this flat rate. Right. Uh, the industry people thought, well, there's nobody's going to, nobody wants to buy arcade games. So nobody wants to produce them. And our whole big thing is to kind of, change all three like change players change the industry like we just want to change the whole industry and we've got the ear of players we've got the ear of the industry people we're helping we've helped so many arcades open now i've got over 150 places that we're trying to help open right now wow Wow. Uh, all now, of the world. Garcade is the same model, right? They just charge a cover. But they, ha- you know, the, I think that one of the things that works for them is they have adjacent food and, and you know, you know, drinking establishments and whatnot. I, I assume around you, you have a similar thing going on? Yeah, we've, that was one of the key things. Um, so many places, uh, like cities are against arcades opening. There's a lot of laws on the books. Oh, I have a question uh, about that. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so beneficial to all the surrounding businesses. Um, nothing stayed open in Brookfield. Yeah. Uh, Tony's across the street's a family restaurant. Uh, they went 24 hours because, Everybody's leaving the arcade at two in the morning. Wow! You changed uh, the landscape of the peop- of the businesses around you. The, it it's improved so much. The uh, motel down the street renovated. Uh, it it'd been there forever, but shortly after we opened, there was this influx of cash for them, and it's nice. it's like now they're even bigger and better. Um, 
the guy who we were having all of our restoration artwork printed at the print shop next to our right next to the arcade we had a print shop (laughs) oh it's time for you to start printing your own stuff well we did we he (laughs) he was doing he did so well he moved and we opened up we bought his business and opened up galloping ghost reproductions and now we offer arcade reproduction artwork wow and we've got this massive library with the arcade floor so it's Yes, you prototype do. Prototype games and like we scan everything in, marquees, bezels, side art. That's we- why you asked about the Hellfire mark, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's I had fun. to I had to do all the vectoring artwork for that one myself. Well, because we have the production company, we have all these artists on hand. Right. Wow. So uh and because of all the industry people, I'm so fortunate. Uh we were we were doing a game called Splat from Williams, which wow. is Super outrageous, outrageously rare game. Um, I'm talking with George Petro one day, who owns uh, Play Mechanics. And he worked on Trog and Terminator. Um, just talking with him, I'm I'm telling, he's like, oh, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, I'm trying to re- get, uh, he actually challenged me. He was, uh, he loves the arcade. And anytime I put something rare on the floor, I had just gotten blaster. This is this is how this one went down. <laughs> he was like, uh, I got a wooden blaster, and um, he's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, Eugene Jarvis is going to lose his mind seeing that. Uh-huh. Larry DeMar. Uh-huh. Like, you got a wooden blaster, but you don't have a splat. <laughs> he's just ribbing Wow. You. Nice. And it, it, it killed it. I'm pretty obsessive on this stuff. So it's like, okay, well, I got to get a splat. So I'm, I get, I'm trying to rebuild this thing. I got a board. I'm, I'm found out what cabinet was in and I'm working on it. I'm, I'm stenciling it. I'm like, okay, but there's no side, there's no artwork anywhere. And I'm telling this to Petro. He's like, Oh, stop on out. Uh, let me see. i maybe I've got something. So oh he, he goes into his, his, his art archives and he's like, oh, I got a, a, a NOS control panel art for you. <laughs> nice. And it's like, and he's like, here. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and, so, and I'm doing all this research. I'm finding out it needs uh, eight-way optos, mm. which Bubbles uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are two, there's a, the same stick was in uh, early joust. Oh, interesting. What? Uh, was they, they had optos in them. Huh. So I'm trying to track these sticks down, and I finally found a set of Joust sticks. And again, fortunately, because we have the production company, um, we were able to modify those because they're only two-way. Yeah, right. Uh, but they're the same sticks, so we modified them, 3D printed the actuator, gave the thing to my <laughs> 3D artist, and was like, hey, we need this, and it has to be exact. Wow. 3D printed it out and the cabinet was coming together and I'm, I'm showing all my updates to George Petro and he's like, Oh, I'm going to be there on Saturday night. You're going to be there. I'm like, of, of course you're coming out. I'm definitely here. So comes out, he hands me an original NOS splat marquee and it's like, okay, the cabinet's done now. And wow. now we have this amazing completed <laughs> cabinet. He's like, wow, that's awesome. He's like, oh, but you you don't have an Inferno. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. It's like the, the Alpine Ghost is like a can of worms, man. You just open it, it up and more comes out. It's it just... gets 
and again, it's it keeps going and going. Like having having these guys around keeps wow. pushing things, and, um, and people want to see it, and they know you're the guy to do it now. <laughs> That's interesting. It's, you need to find a quantum. So. <laughs> 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 I got a question then. Uh, of all the games you have, what is your favorite game? Uh, it would. It's probably going to be Narc. Um, it was the first arcade game I ever purchased. Interesting. Uh, back when I was sixteen, and I, again, we had. It's it's funny. It's the arcade has. I feel so guilty with the arcade because so much of the stuff is just me being. Uh, it's 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 just living the dream. It's right. like. Okay, satisfying so, your child your childhood dreams right yeah do you have an environment afterburner do you <laughs> i do somebody gave it to me oh my god free. oh my god they're like i'll never get this running it was in a, a guy jonathan who he's been so generous uh we we go to i was at his place yesterday okay uh out in uh decatur and he was like he the super collector he had this unbelievable collection of games and he sold me Darius with a not working board. Mm. Just, he gave, sold me the board at MGC, and I, I it was, was very early on. Sure. And he was every about every year I would I would call him and be like Jonathan, are you selling anything? This guy had five hundred cabinets in his in his place. Oh my god. He's like, no, I want one of every game. I'm never selling anything. Wow, wow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. I, I'm I'm nothing if not a patient man, but okay. And, <laughs> I went, I let three years go by and I call him up and I'm like, Jonathan, how's everything going? He's like, it's so weird that you're calling me because everything's for sale now. Oh my God. What? And I drove out there and I, I, he's, it was everything. It was, it was the warehouse find that you could, I'm like, oh, a liberator. How much? 300 bucks. Just take Wow. What? And Man. just Everything was my turkey shoot. I I got from him. I sit down Star Wars, and he had uh, Troy Smith, who I buy so many games from Troy all the time. They just helped us grow. And he's like, "Yeah, just put it on the floor. Like, let people enjoy this stuff." That's awesome. And it's it's so yesterday. So <laughs> there's so many stories. Like it, it just that's all right. Uh, we'll shut you up when I, it's time. <laughs> oh man, I love it. This is great. I, I got I, I got to go back to the narc story for a okay, second. Okay, okay. Narc going back to why it's it's kind of this uh, this it's almost selfish. <laughs> uh, I I love narc, great game. Yeah, and it's just kind of like oh I I want to know more about it. So I'm gonna run this developers day event and I'll get all the developers out here and then I'll get to hear all the stories <laughs> about how my favorite game was made. Now you are figuring it out why we were doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, well, so, bring him to you, man. That's what yeah. you got to do. So Eugene Jarvis comes out. George Petro comes out. Mark Lafredo comes out. Uh, Larry DeMar. It's like all the superstars yeah. are, are at the arcade. George Petro calls me up the day before. And he's like, um, he's like, you got an extra NARC round board? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can you get it to me tonight? I'm like, yeah. Sure. Send one of my guys to drop it off. George Petro comes out the next day, and I'm again. I'm already losing my mind. I'm hearing all these stories. Uh, Mark Lafredo uh, is the Dos Lofgang, the first character. Like when the game starts, there's the guy who you see at the console. It says Dos Lofgang, 
And he's like, that's me. And my <laughs> mind was absolutely blown. Uh, he's like, I'm also the last boss. I'm Mr. Big. Wow. That's funny. And w- we had, um, we had this giant, if you've played NARC, when you get to the last level, there's the last boss, this giant guy, white suit in a wheelchair, mafia guy, sunglasses, fedora on. He's got paintings of himself that say me underneath. <laughs> lining the last level and they're these giant five foot pictures of himself and i i always thought that was unbelievable so hmm. we had one of our artists remake that just giant five foot paintings <laughs> and we had them framed and everything and we i gave one to eugene jarvis and <laughs> we had these mini ones it's uh, just absolutely all this crazy stuff. George Petro comes up to me and he hands me this, this narc board. And he's like, you know, he's like, I know you're a huge fan of narc. There's a level that we put it out on test once as a bonus level. And it got canceled because it's so glitchy. He's like, I finished it for you. And ah. now it's not on MAME. It's nowhere. Nobody's ever seen it. It was out for one day. Oh my God. And he's like, here's the board. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> And that's that's the narc we have on the floor now. It's you, it's like you dump the this, roms, right? You dump the roms. <laughs> he, he, I backed him up. I, I <laughs> promised up and down I would never. Uh, that's a big conflicting thing. We have all this outrageously rare stuff, and it's preserved, but it's always up to them if they want me to put it out. Right, um, right. There's a game called uh, Arena, which. Um, Started as a game called Hexus and ended as a game. It went from Hexus to Arena to Wiz Wars. And um, they, we had put, we were doing a Wizard World show and I had Jeff Lee with us and he introduced me to this guy named Tom Melanowski. Tom worked on a game called Argus. It was an unreleased prototype. Uh, it never came out, it got canceled. The mames, the ROMs were dumped on MAME. So we're talking with him. He's like, it's this awesome game. It was supposed to be Superman 2 but we couldn't get the license and uh, it got canceled. Hmm. And he's telling me it was Jeff Lee's best artwork, better than Kubert, best artwork he's ever seen. So I had had one of our regulars talk about this game, about how he played it back in the day. It was all he played. Argus or Superman Argus. 2? Argus. Okay. okay. And so I researched it and talking with Jeff Moore and uh, Tom, um, I, I'm, asking him I'm like was there artwork for this and he's like no it never got that far it, it, the game was kept changing names it was protector and mm-hmm. uh had all these different names and I'm like okay I'm gonna go get a Gottlieb board and see if I can't take the main roms and make this thing and <laughs> so we did that and then Jeff is like oh I'm gonna make you uh marquee art and control panel art and side art and bezel art and then we'll just have it at the uh, at the arcade awesome that's amazing so we did that and then we're putting it on the floor for our is our 600th game that we put on the arcade floor and we flew uh one of the gottlieb hardware guys out and he hands me this board and we're here everybody's just talking about argus 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 he's like yeah i had this old gottlieb board in my attic here you go i doubt it works anymore it's been cooking up in las vegas summers for 30 years Hmm. Wow. I'm like, what game is it? He's like, I don't, he just was like, I don't know. So the board doesn't work, and it take a little bit of time. I get it running. Uh, actually, Doug Fox, one of our our guys that does repairs, got it running, and uh, he sends me a screenshot, and it's this game called Arena. 
I'm like, I've never heard of that. I called Jeff up. I'm like, Jeff, what's this game, Arena? He's like, oh, yeah. It was uh, it started as this game called Hexus, and then it got canceled. And then we tried it as Arena, and it got canceled. And then it became Wiz Wars, and it got canceled. <laughs> and it's it's never been out. It was only a prototype. And I'm going through MAME, and I'm talking to people, and it's it just doesn't exist. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. And it's like now we have this n- another prototype just given. And wow. now we have that in a cabinet. And I found somebody who had a Wiz Wars. And they, her husband used to work at Gottlieb. And uh, it ran off of, I didn't even know what controls it used. Uh, it had a Mad Planet spinner and a weird black Wyco stick uh, with a white button on top. Hmm. And this, just by happen chance, this woman calls me up and she's like, uh, I have a prototype Qbert in a suitcase that they used to take to test locations. Can you fix it? Oh my God. Uh, sure, I can fix what? that. I hope you took a picture of this thing. Oh, it's, uh, we've got so many pictures. Wow. Okay. So many pictures wow. Got it working for her, took it over to her house, dropped it off. She's telling me her husband passed away. She's like, oh, he used to be a, he, he worked at Gottlieb for years and years and years. Took took me down in her basement. She's got a stack of marquees, NOS, yeah. like Three Stooges, Cuberts, like Mad Plant, every, every marquee from Gottlieb. Wow. Uh, and she's got this pristine Wiz Wars prototype, original Mad Planet spinner and stick. I'm like, wow, that's, you don't ever see this stuff. And we're talking, and she's asking me if I can do an appraisal on this cabinet. And I'm like, yeah, I can definitely appraise this for you and tell you what it's worth. She's like, oh, he, uh, like here, do you want these extra parts? And it's an NOS inbox Mad Planet spinner <laughs> and this stick that I've never seen. <laughs> and we had literally. <laughs> This was a week before Red Bull TV had called. And they're like, hey, we're shooting a, a show called uh, Screenland. Can you put together a, some rare prototype uh, in five days? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're like, yeah. We're, they're asking us, like, oh, can you have a bunch of world records set while we're there and uh, have a bunch of industry people show up and we're like, oh, sure, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll make this happen somehow. But it, it's nuts. so bizarre how it all, it just keeps falling into place. Yeah. Like one thing after the next, it, it's just nonstop. And it's literally to the point where we just take every opportunity that, uh, that comes our way. Yeah. And uh, sitting in the office, uh, Daniel Piscina's sitting here, sure. and he's constantly like, um, he's like, oh, like, we need to do something more, something bigger. It's like, yeah, sure. Like, what, what can we do? What do you want to do? It's like, oh, let's open a martial arts school. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, three weeks later, a building next to our production's office, our production office is two blocks down from the arcade. So one door over, the building opens up, and it's like, oh, do you guys really want to open a martial arts school? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So we, we get, we talk with the guy that we got Daniel Piscina who played Johnny Cage, Philip on who uh, is a, he's a master of Taekwondo. He played Shang Tsung and John Parrish who played Jax. And I'm talking to you guys want to open a gym in martial arts school. And they're like two blocks down from the arcade. So people can come train with Johnny Cage and Scorpion and <laughs> Shang Tsung and lift weights with Jax. And they're like, 
yeah, okay. <laughs> so now we it, we call it uh, the Galloping Ghost Gamma, and it's it's got an arcade tie. So like players are traveling in to go to the arcade, and they play for five hours, and then they go down to the gym, work out, and come back and train with Chang Soon. That is nuts. Yes. Living the life. It is. It's, Holy crap. <laughs> it's it's odd. It's odd. That is really cool, but, man. Yeah. It's... I don't even know how to top all that. I don't know like... either. I mean, that just seems like <laughs> Galloping Ghost Grocery Store. No. Right? We've got so many things planned. Um, we've got... Uh, we've been talking. We've got so many industry people. We want to open up a school. Like, we do wiring classes. Um, we teach game design. So we've got, uh, we're working on the Galloping Ghost University. Um, We've got four or five more businesses that'll open within these two blocks um, that we're working on. So it's a lot of expansion coming up. Everything is very symbiotic to one another. Uh, Like the print company, the production company. And it's all to just kind of just grow the industry and make it bigger and better and make there be more arcades and... Wow! Get more people into the culture. Wow, that is really. <laughs> man, I I saw a documentary on Vannon the other day, and I thought that was interesting. This, <laughs> it's a bunch a bunch of people that get together with vans, and here you are trying to grow, uh, the arcade industry in a way that nobody has thought of in in any any form or fashion i mean everybody's thought about oh we've had a couple of arcades here open in the twin cities one was a restaurant bar combo they closed after less than a year um we had uh rusty quarters open and closed their doors within two years oh what a mess that's the big thing everybody is so afraid to just be an arcade right it it's the same thing with the industry um about just making arcade games again it's uh it's everybody says it can't work, right. but it honestly opening the arcade was so easy. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of hours. It was a lot of work, but I, uh, there was no. It went so smoothly. Yeah, and it's the people that think that it's like it's it's making amazing money. It, yeah. It's an incredibly lucrative business. Yeah, uh, the people that come into it for that reason are the ones that close right away. It's in right. all honesty like right. the money i i don't care about the money anymore no it's it's all about the opportunities of doing this cool stuff yeah. that, that i just flat out love and it's we had a barcade that we tried to help open and he never talked about the games he's he wanted he was doing like oh i'm worried about people thinking that it's too much of an arcade thing yeah. And it's like, no, that's what you want. Go insane, just just arcades. That's all you need. It just scares people. It it seems like why in the world David Bishop, who owned he was the vice, executive vice president of Namco, the came into the arcade before they opened their arcade restaurant level two fifty seven. And he's like he introduced himself and he's like, You're probably not gonna want to talk to me because I'm I'm gonna open an arcade. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no, I will talk to you. I will Share every piece of information that I have with you. I'll give you my books. Uh, if there's, if it's going to mean more arcades, awesome. That's I don't care cool. if you're you're bigger than us. If you make <laughs> millions and millions of dollars, if you even are so big, you put us out of business. If you're the arcade to do it, do it. Let, I'll tell you everything that I can. Wow. I'll, 
flat out. He's like, I don't understand why this was. He's there on a Saturday, and there's 200 people in the arcade. <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't understand this. He's like, why are there 200 people here? And I'm like, how can you ask that? It's like, there's at the time, there's 450 arcade games here. Who wouldn't want to be here? Sure. And he's, he's like, I'm like, what are you guys doing? And he's, he's like, ah, we're gonna have like 30, 50 games, maybe. We're gonna have a bowling alley. We're gonna have a lot of food. It's gonna be heavily food based. I'm like, nobody, nobody wants food from Namco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you have millions and millions of dollars, multi-level arcade, be the biggest arcade in the world. And he's like, you're out of your mind. He's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. <laughs> did, you, did you look at what's going on around here? <laughs> like, it's, it's so, it, there's so much separation between players, the, the developers, and the venues. And I think what makes this work so well is because we are all three. And there's so many industry people that make games that they don't play anything. They don't know why their games are good. They think they know, but they don't really know why the people enjoy them like they do. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's kind of the same with everything. Everybody is scared and has bad information. And that's the thing we want to fix. And it's so amazing seeing so many up-and-coming arcades uh, doing it right. Like, uh, like the places that are doing it for the right reasons, like Underground Retrocade, mm. like not far from here, he came to one of our wiring classes where we teach people how to wire a cabinet from scratch. And I need to go to that class. (laughs) We teach everything. It's so hard to, to get stuff done. I hear somebody's down at the arcade and they want to want to learn how to do something. And it's like, well, I'll just run down there real quick and I'll show them how to do this. (laughs) And when we do that, there'll be 10 people that watch us. Uh, Like we always do all of our repairs out on the floor so people can watch. And same thing with underground. He Scott Lambert, who's to, I'm so happy at his success. He came in the first time I met him was at our wiring class. Same thing. He's like, you're not going to talk to me, but I think I want to open an arcade. Not, <laughs> not too terribly far from you. And I'm like, dude, what do you need? What can I show you? What, here's my books. Like, uh, let me know when you open. I'll send all my customers to you. Wow. It's It's about growing the community. It's not it's changed so much from when it was the cutthroat. Yeah. If you go to somebody else's arcade, right? You're you're not loyal to us, and right. we want everybody's quarters. And yeah. I can't wait for this guy to go out of business. And it's now so much about having places to run cool events with right. and helping promote the cool stuff that they're doing and their accomplishments and their restorations. And it's it being so different has it's made it evolve and gotten so many more people through the doors and into arcade gaming from every aspect of it, collector and player and venue owner and industry person. It's, it's just unbelievable that the, the missing thing ends up being nobody's willing to, to communicate and share the information. All right. Hey, Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Especially with like, uh, that's kind of with the industry places. It's uh, I'm constantly telling people like Ed Boone and uh, Eugene Jarvis and George Petro. It's like, make, make arcade games again. Like new venues are opening. They need new content. Mm. 
the indie places are stepping up. There's Cosmotrons, there's uh, Sky Cursor. Those guys are doing fantastic jobs. But you need the heavy hitters to be putting out, like, we need MK11 on arcade. Right. And there's demand. The venues are opening up, and they need content. Hey, have you have you considered any of the Raw Thrills games? I know they're gigantic, huge games. Like that uh, Halo that he just put out is like oh. <laughs> a city block in, in in size. It's I I was talking with George Petro, and he sent me a picture of it the day it dropped, <laughs> and he's like, "You getting one?" And I would I would love to have one here. It's, space is definitely an issue. Yeah. Uh, Price is definitely an issue. It's, yeah, a, oh it's a price God. machine, but like it is a. I've I've seen one in person. It, it it's it's just a beautiful machine. And one of the things for us is we don't want to take. People always ask, "Why don't you have the newest stuff? Why don't you have Dance Dance Revolution stuff and uh, Big Buck Hunter and Golden Tea?" And it's like you can play that at the other places that are out there. That that's the thing. Like Dave and Buster's has that stuff. Right, right. I want to have the stuff that they don't have until they stop having it. Then it'll become more attractive. And it's one of those things where it has, the arcade floor has become, it is almost a museum in a sense. It's it's a very chronological, there's everything. Uh, and as the years pass, it's like, who knows what you're going to see? Like, will you eventually see a halo in there? Yeah, I, know, I wouldn't right? doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> It's on. It's a matter of time. It's it's the stuff that we want to showcase the history of video gaming in a sense. Right. Hey. So I have a couple questions that I wrote down before we started the show. I know they're kind of little like sidebars, but I know that you had a warehouse raid recently. Like, yes. what was what was that technical assessment like? Do you go in? Like, what do you like? What's your move when you get in there? Um. This was actually. I went with. Um, Two people, uh, one of which who prints arcades, Jeremy Fox, who is opening an arcade. Okay. And uh, it's about a four-hour ride up. So Ooh. most of most of the just kind of conveying like pointers to him uh, and, and how to make it. He's, anybody who's opening a new business, they're concerned. Right. Uh, is this going to work? And it's – Jeremy has done so much for us in – finding arcade games for us over the years uh, that I'm so happy that he's finally doing this. And the trip up is mostly um, knowing I had, I had already known what was at the warehouse. Oh, so it was um, a lot of just telling him what he might want to get and uh, strategizing with him on that. Um, Again, I've been at that warehouse so many times, Troy got some new stuff. So it was exciting to see that. Uh, but it was more, I went mostly, I picked up a couple of cabinets, uh, but I mostly went to help these other guys get cabinets. Oh, that's nice. So you had a captive audience basically on the way up. Yeah, for sure. For that's sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, let me think. The last question that I had come up with is that your projects, how do you prioritize them? Is there a committee or is it what you want? And then everybody else, <laughs> and I, like, how does everybody weigh in on that? Because I really don't know your entire team. The, the team that works on the cabinets, uh, it's, we have, uh, our, our lead tech is Seth Young, uh, who is just incredible. Uh, we have our out of house tech, Doug Fox, and then myself. 
okay. to maintain all 659 games. <laughs> and it is, it's a seven day a week thing. Uh, it's the goal is to always be at a hundred percent running. And about a month ago, we were three away. <laughs> oh, wow. So it, it's constantly breathing in and out though. So like, um, Seth will be out sick. Uh, he was out sick for a week and we ballooned up to having, uh, like 25 games down. Like I was still there every day, uh, working on stuff, but it's, it's so, it's a constant thing. It's the easy stuff we knock out because it's quick and easy. Uh, the harder project stuff, it's everything's always being worked on. Like it's unacceptable. Uh, we don't ever want anything down. Right. Uh, inevitably, whatever's down, somebody will come in that day and be like, oh, that was that's the game I wanted to play. Oh, no. <laughs> Even with 659 games, it's it's people say that stuff. And it, it bothers me because we have so many people. They're traveling in. And it's like, I don't ever want to disappoint anybody. So the goal is to just get um, as many up and running as possible, as quickly as possible. We always try to have such a huge backstock of parts on hand and uh, when we need something, we just jump right on it. It's it's usually uh, I I set the priority list, um, okay. uh, but it's definitely um, and kind of an every man for himself. Like everybody works as hard as they possibly can to get everything running. Nice. Um, let me think. What else have we got here? I don't know why this is. There's a question that says, "I hear your Sega has some interesting features on it." Knives. What is that? I think there's a marquee that has a knife on it. Maybe I'm not sure what that's about. Maybe we'll skip past that question. I'm looking at the questions. But Adam, by the way, is now going potty. <laughs> um, oh, your your two turkey shoots. How did you get them? Uh, the first one I bought from uh, Jonathan. Right. Uh, he had it in his collection and opted to uh, eventually let it go, which was. Um, Took a little bit of doing. Uh, he it was one that he wasn't a hundred percent sure that he wanted to get rid of, but when he finally decided it was all right, he let it go to us. Um, the other one we picked up was uh, out in Colorado. Um, I've I've definitely changed how I I buy games, uh, and it's so hard. It's, there's so few that we need. Uh, the want list is so short. Mm that uh, I just look all over, literally I look all over the world. Like it's uh, out of state, um, out of the country, and it just popped up on uh, Facebook Marketplace. What? The guy wanted nothing for it. It was <sighs> it was incredible, fully working, immaculate condition. That's unbelievable. And uh, like I, I like to, I tell people, I'm like, hey, this is this is worth more like than what you're, you're charging. Hmm. And they're just like, just get it out of here. Like there's so many people that <laughs> right. are just like, get this out of here. <laughs> yeah. Do me the favor and just take this away. Yes. It's like, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll Gotta do love it. That. Gotta <laughs> love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you, have you squeeze in all your, your last yeah. questions? Uh, Go a little bit. I'll add bar questions all the duck. All right. Well, well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Yeah. First of all, uh, stick, thank you so much for having us. Stick around a little bit after we're done here, and we'll uh, we'll uh, you know give you your payment and uh, <laughs> a pat on the back and a hearty hi ho. 
but awesome. uh this has been really fun to have you on um this is arcade radio you can subscribe to us on itunes or soundcloud and we're on youtube too you can even subscribe there incidentally mark i got all the uh, descriptions up to date nice i gotta like upload upload the last couple of things into soundcloud yeah and then we'll be uh, all caught up on itunes as well so thanks for listening in uh we really appreciate you subscribing and and listening into these shows uh we hope to see you again in a couple weeks with a brand new episode uh this is arcade radio signing off Invent a curtain. Twenty dollars to play all day. Six hundred and forty plus arcade games. Largest arcade, Galloping Ghost. There you go. Galloping Ghosts. Arcade.com. Ninety four fifteen. Ninety four fifteen Ogden Avenue, Brookfield, Illinois six zero five one three. Plug. Call Doc up. Ask him uh, to open a new class on how to play guitar. <laughs> Galloping Ghost Guitar Shop. It's coming. The Triple G. <laughs> we got the double R, you'll have the Triple G. <laughs> All right. It's funny, we were showing the regulars. One of the regulars came down, I was giving them guitar lessons for a while. <laughs> See? It's, it's bound to happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. 